Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today is the last Start Me Up of 2022. My guest is Rick Shu. That was not supposed to rhyme but it did. I know Rick from Twitter. He's friends with my boyfriend, Bob. He's a podcaster on the Friends Work Pod as well as the Barstool Pod. And I'm going to have fun talking to him before we get into it. The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Rick Shu. Welcome to the show, Rick. Hello, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, uh, this is the first time we've ever met. I mean, obviously, we know each other through Twitter, and I know you because of Bob Saska. But Correct. we have never had an actual conversation, even though we've probably had many on Twitter. So this is the first time, and it's cool to meet you this way. <laughs> Likewise. I always, I always say to people... This site was a cesspool prior to Elon Musk, let's yeah. be fair. It's worse now. But the silver lining to it all is meeting really genuinely cool people yeah. and establishing these relationships. It's awesome. I mean, it really is. It really is. And, I mean, I found because, you know, I, I talk to people, obviously I interview people, and what I have found is once that happens, you kind of form a bond. Not everybody. But, I mean, sometimes, like, I get pitched – uh, a guest, right? Somebody sends me a pitch and I say, all right, I'm going to take this particular guest. And maybe they're very um, professional and talk real fast and, you know, like they're they're real slick and I'm not real slick. Uh, sometimes those those relationships don't, you really form. It's usually the ones where I have conversations with people, like real conversations. And I think it's so cool because I feel like I've made so many friends through this podcast and it's so fitting because this is the last one of the year. And, um, you know, I do feel like we're kind of friends and now it's just going to solidify. <laughs> yes, 100 percent. And I, I, I adore Bob, obviously, and big fan of you. So this Aww. is this is cool. And you told me off mic this was your last show of the year. That's yeah, that is I don't know. It's like it's, it's, it's an honor to be here anyway, but I'm on your last show of the year. That's cool. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so tell everybody, let's talk about you for a minute. Uh, you have a couple of different podcasts, and in, in your Twitter description, you describe yourself as an F-list actor. So I think that's funny. I want to hear about your podcasts, and then I want to hear about your F-list. <laughs> F-list. I don't, I don't even know if it's F, Z. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I so I have a couple of podcasts, one of which has been stagnant, which is left it was left shoe politics my last name is shoe s-h-e-w it's sort of a play on words obviously um, left shoe and then as it started to grow i brought in two very good friends of mine and the three of us partnered up on it and we changed it to left crew mm. just so egos were in check right mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't about me anymore it's about us and then um but we're actually about to relaunch it to barstool politics and we know there's a barstool sports and mm -hmm. that's a popular thing but it just the name really is so perfect for us because we're mm. just guys that like to talk politics like we're sitting next to each other yeah literally in a bar you know yeah. and um oftentimes on our shows 
we'll uh, have a beer. We'll discuss what we're drinking. Why don't we just incorporate <laughs> that and, and, and make it an all-encompassing thing? So that's getting relaunched soon. Cool. And then I have friends from work, <laughs> which is my pop, pop culture podcast. That's also about to officially launch because I was at Batman on Film for – my god 10 years wow uh, i had a great run there it's actually where i met bob and free huh. yeah. and in snu and uh because it you know just the domino effect of everything <laughs> yeah and so it's i launched a satellite show on batman on film a couple of years ago where i kind of had the liberty of talking about anything pop culture and so really friends from work is that batman on film um podcast that that i started that's just a satellite show and that's what the show is <laughs> no rules like let's talk about the back to the future trilogy let's talk about news that's happening now let's talk about our favorite tv shows or whatever mm -hmm. and um no limits it's gonna be a lot of fun so i'm um, do you ever get when you talk about that stuff i mean i know when you post about it online there's gonna be bullshit hatred and stupidness but when you're doing a podcast do you get a lot of the hate at you know directed at your podcast or is it like easier to talk about those things so i just find it amazing that you talk about superman and everybody gets so angry you know <laughs> you have no idea i'm actually that's actually a really good question and this is a true story um i have you know i've been a political loudmouth on facebook and twitter for many years in different capacities mm -hmm. and i've done podcasts and youtube shows and i've been guests and it's been a wild ride and i've had some backlash more so from like my my aunt that doesn't like my politics and <laughs> talk to my mom you know it's more, you know but there's the, the occasional fuck you or whatever right on online and that comes with the territory but talking comic book movies is, is more volatile than yeah. it is talking politics yeah and i'm not exaggerating i know I've you're had, not i've had more than one death threat oh my god that's insane and they've all come from talking about Zack snyder batman versus superman or my thoughts on whatever you know whatever filmmaker whatever star wars movie or whatever yeah and people get so passionate and so angry about it like i've had death threats it's, wow. it's funny it's an interesting subculture That's within a subculture insane. because really you know the twitter faction of fandom it's so small when mm -hmm. you look at the general audience that goes to see a movie. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're loud. Yeah. You know, they're loud. Yeah. 100,000 people, hashtag, that goes viral. Yeah. And so, right? 100%. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. just uh, before you get into your actor stuff, I just want to say that, I mean, it's not just about that, the Marvel and the superhero stuff, because I know that, I mean, it's it's slightly, I've, I've, I've admitted this before, but it's slightly embarrassing for me to admit that I do enjoy a couple of the real housewives and for me there's definitely like a soap opera kind of a thing where you get sucked into the drama and I absolutely mm -hmm. do and I like getting sucked in I used to actually I used to watch days of our lives and then I was on days of our lives and then um you know I've, I used to watch a few soap operas and I've always liked the serial kind of a thing so I enjoy that aspect of it and it's a nice break from politics for me I'm not I know it's not for everyone and I know I know exactly what it is but I've thought about it from time to time because it's funny I've had men on here and like political men with really huge like big reputations and they say they watch too and it's so right. funny to me that men watch it and then I have there's a friend of mine Michael Stern who if I was ever going to do a show I would do it with Michael 
And but it's like I'm not going to at this point. But I, I, the thing that really stops me is the hate. Like I, I put, give me a MAGA any day, you know, over <laughs> some loyalist to one of the characters on Real Housewives, and I don't like her. You know what I mean? It's like right. oh my god, <laughs> and, that, that and it's real. I mean, it that is. hatred is real. It and really the, by is. the way, on a side note, you just gave me a couple of great ideas for uh, friends from work podcasts. Like, a, how about something like the cheesiest shit that we like watching on TV? Yeah, as an episode or guilty pleasure movie. Yes. Which mine, by the way, would probably be Can't Buy Me Love from 1986. Wow. Who's in that? Oh, what's the guy's name? Oh, is I'm it, going it, blank. He, he, I think it was his debut film, and he went on to play the doctor. And Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm going to look at it. He'll know it. Is it yeah. Um, Dr. Oh, Mc, well. Mick something. Right? My God. McDreamy. Is it McDreamy? Is it McDreamy? Is it McDreamy? I don't know. I, I don't know the so. I don't know the characters. I'm, not, I'm gonna look it up. The references. Yes, like it is that. him. Patrick Dempsey. That's it. Patrick Dempsey. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. Yes. Yes. Patrick Dempsey. Yes, and he uh, is he is Doctor Dreamy. A great. Saw crack in the moon last night. You know, just great stuff. Well, great I stuff. will say one of my my favorite guilty pleasures is rhinestone and most people will come at me for that but i don't care it's one of the fucking funniest movies i've ever seen in my life and it was funny too because i watched it with bob like i don't know two or three years into our relationship and of course it's not one of his favorites but he did laugh because it's fucking funny and it's really stupid it's the one with you know sylvester stallone (laughs) even sylvester stallone is embarrassed by it but I fucking love that movie. So, you know, we all love what we love. And Hey, listen, he's embarrassed no by it, but I bet you he's more embarrassed by, um, by Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> I know, I know that. But by the way, I, I almost said Bro Mama from the Train, which is also a very great Danny DeVito, yes. Billy Crystal comedy. Yes. That's very underrated. I don't know if I'd call it a guilty pleasure because it's not like it's empirically shit. Right, 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 <laughs> you right. You know, he's got to be really fucking bad. You're like, I know that is trash, but I don't care. I love it. I yeah. wouldn't say that about Thelma Mama from the Train, but it is certainly underrated. But uh, anyways, back to Stallone and Rhinestone. Yeah, I mean. It's a dumb, it's he, a dumb uh, movie, but I'm it's sure he would probably take that over stuff where my mom will shoot. And I, that's I, not typically references as that is his, a stupid uh, low movie. point. <laughs> it is, it's so dumb. And then, I mean, I just remember the trailer. Stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> it just yeah. sounded so stupid. It's crazy. It's like back then he couldn't act other than playing Rocky and Rambo. And right. he really morphed into one hell of, a, of an actor. He and, did. Uh, I saw that in Copland, and I yes. thought, "Whoa, where did that come from?" Yeah. And then his performance as Rocky, mm-hmm. and especially that first Creed film, where he's battling mm-hmm. cancer. That's that's really strong, powerful yeah. film acting, in my view. So, I agree. Just a shout out to Stallone for his transformation of actually kind of turning into a real actor. Yeah, and unfortunately, he likes Trump. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I ignore that. You know, that yeah, I know. Sucks. And I'll I say know. on my friends from work podcast, my buddy Brian Chatwin, who me, Courtney Cheek, Brian Chatman, big shout out. The three of us are hosting that show together. Brian actually worked on Tulsa King, and his scene is with Stallone. It's one scene. He has like two small lines, but he's made all the trailers. Mm-hmm. So oh, he's on wow. cloud nine. That's you know, awesome. How, yeah. You know how big of a deal that is. You right. Yeah. Scenes and not make a trailer, right? Yeah. And so, um, but he said he was really wonderful to work with and a lot of fun. Wow. He said he fucked with him a lot in between like takes. You well, know that's what I mean? cool. And he said he was really great. So. Yeah, I mean, I I remember, it was so funny, when I was eight years old, 
my dad wanted to take me to see Rocky and my mom was concerned. And I mean, my parents are really liberal and I got to see a lot of crap when I was young, but my mom was uh, afraid that the fighting would be upsetting to me. And I guess, I don't remember, I saw it eight times in the theater. Once I saw it, I fell in love with it. But I remember, I do remember it might, it was probably the first time and it was with both of them. I believe at that point they were split up, but for some reason we were all together and we went to the movies and I was screaming at the end when Rocky was uh, punching, what's his name, the guy's name who's escaping me for the moment. Apollo but, Creed. Apollo Carl Creed, Weather. yes. Uh, I, in the ribs, I was screaming, get him in the ribs! <laughs> yeah. like, my mom was yeah. all worried and I'm like all violent, you know, when I'm eight. <laughs> sure. God, you know, I loved that, that movie. movie. So that's, good. That's a, that's a great story. Uh, that movie should not have been made. I mean, he legit walked away from the project mm -hmm. with a barefoot pregnant wife with no money unless he started and i think yeah. they offered him 300 grand for the script which back yeah. then it was a huge i don't amount, know what yeah. that what is that a million dollars probably probably and yeah. um would have been life-changing for him and he refused it yeah and then you know the rest is history yeah started. you know what that's funny because i i'm all into um intentional manifesting because we manifest our life with our choices and you know how we think and all of that that just helps create the world we live in. And so I like to do it intentionally. And I always use him as an example of, and I call it the successful Sylvester, because I believe when he, and I don't know this, this is what I'm guessing, but when he was writing Rocky, you know, he, he had a vision and he absolutely knew what he wanted from that vision. And he was determined to make that happen. And so, like you said, he was offered money but he needed to star in it. So he refused that money and he stayed with it because he had that vision and then he made that vision happen. And to, to me, even though he's a Trump supporter, I believe that that, you know, part of him is an inspiration to me because it's like you just stick with your vision and you make it happen no matter what. And if it doesn't work out the way that you think it should or whatever initially, just like that story you know he wanted to sell it and he wanted to start it, and so he gets this offer well he could have easily just seen that as a defeat and walked away but he said no and he stuck to his guns and he made it happen so just got to shout it out for that <laughs> absolutely and it sort of unintentionally mirrors the story of the film if you mm -hmm, think about it because mm -hmm. he gets this shot and then as an underdog you know he's a hustler or whatever you know, however you would label what he was doing yeah. he was um uh, whatever. I don't know the exact street name for it, but he goes something. I'm going to crack your knuckles until you pay my boss their money. That guy. <laughs> yes. You call yes. That. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but he could have, as a character could have just gone a couple of minutes in round one and, and, and been out and, and been a star because of that instead goes the distance. And so yeah. that's, uh, that's kind of cool. I never even thought about it like that. And in terms of his Trump support, you know, I don't obviously know the man and maybe he's, as nefarious as Trump is, I don't know. I don't want to know, to be right. honest with you, because yeah. I don't want to not love Rocky. Exactly. But I just yeah. wonder, and I don't, hope I don't get on a rabbit hole here. It's your <laughs> show, so for, forgive me. But who, who cares? Is it, are there people that know Trump as someone that might have actually been a rather decent dude behind the scenes, but he's just so craving for power, he's so desperate for power, that he took whatever viable route he could take because if he could have been a bleeding heart tree hugging liberal yeah. and, and gone into power, I think he would have done it. Mm -hmm. He has no core values right. or yeah. anything. And I just wonder if some of those people were kind of holding on to maybe 
somebody that's just not there anymore. I don't know. I could be overthinking it, but I just like to try to think that because it makes me, it makes me not hate Stallone for supporting such a monster, quite frankly. Right. Well, I mean, I try, you know, in this day and age, there's so many uh, artists out there who, I'm trying to think of somebody specific, but when you, and Sylvester is a perfect example. And then there's also, oh God, I can't think of his name. But he was, and he wasn't a Trump supporter because he's dead. But he, he was actually. I'm gonna have to look him up. He was in the movie Blue Steel. Did you ever see that with um, Jamie Lee Curtis? I, I know of it, but no, I never saw it. Oh, it's so good. You should totally see it. Yeah. Um, I, I know he was also in. Uh, I'm gonna look it up right now. But I know the guy, the actor, was also in The West Wing. Um, and they're not listing here. It is oh, I oh I put Blue Steel and I and I put it online and I get this uh, it something that. For John Wayne was in. <laughs> what are you doing to me? I'll find John it. Wayne? John Wayne? Yeah, Ron Silver. That's what I'm trying to think of. So Ron Silver uh, was a Republican, um, but I okay. fucking loved him as an actor. He was sure. such a good actor. So in some cases, as long as people are not like, I mean, you take a look at somebody like Kevin Sorbo, which is to call him an actor, that's laughable. But I mean, okay, he's an entertainer or Scott Baio or James Woods, who I actually considered to be a good actor and Kirstie yeah, Alley. Yeah. Um, but like James Woods is hateful and mean and he says hateful and mean things. I have not seen Sylvester Stallone do that. So that for me, it's that's the line. It's like if they are publicly crude and rude and horrible, then it's hard for me to I, I can't really enjoy their films or anything like that. But if I know they're a Republican or a Trump supporter, especially in this day and age, um, but they're not outwardly assholes. Uh, it's easier for me to enjoy their art, you know, whether they're right. a singer or whatever. And so, it's, you know, I don't so understand Gene, it. Gene Simmons was on a recent podcast from Kiss, and I'm pretty sure he's a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. But he was asked about it, and this was recent. I mean, this is in the last two weeks. And he said, hey, hold on, listen, our fans run the gamut in terms of politics. I don't want to get into that. I don't want to upset any fans. I have any different beliefs than I do. We welcome everybody. I thought, smart answer. <laughs> yeah. It makes me not want to hate you. Exactly. Not to say that you can't express your views you can but it's going to come with ramifications um and so you know be that as it may but you know the fact that he doesn't publicly talk about it or at least didn't in that podcast it just kind of went okay i can enjoy that demon persona and some of those early songs in the 70s because i can't listen to ted nugent anymore (laughs) no i'm done no and no yankees that was a great record (laughs) well i damn yankees record's a great record i mean and i can't even listen to that because ted nugent plays guitar and i hear his guitar i hear a racist and i'm I'm out yeah and it was funny i got i got in my car the other day and cat, uh, cat Scratch Fever was... I've never really liked that song, but it was like, ah! <laughs> I had to, like, yeah. quickly turn it off. <laughs> it's like, no, it I don't want to hear him. He's a badass guitar player. I wow. mean, he is. Yeah. And it just, it's unfortunate. And um, his best work was that... i go back one more time. was that Damn Yankees record. It's very nostalgic for me, too. I was in high school. Great right. summer rock and roll record. Oh. And it's ruined for me. <laughs> I can't listen to it. Oh. Can't. I'm out. That uh, yeah, I mean, I have some some people. Yeah, I've uh, you know, it's funny though. Kirstielli blocked me on Twitter, and I still fully enjoy Bob and I occasionally on a Saturday night, right before we watch the main event, like whatever movie or whatever. Like while we're having dinner or whatever, we'll watch Cheers. And I mean, she was so funny, funny, and she absolutely was mean though. I gotta say, she was mean, and she said mean and hateful things, but. You know, I, I, I give it to her. She was fucking hilarious. 
And she was hilarious, and so can Kelsey Grammer. Oh my also, God! Yes, he's just as bad as she is. Yes, he is. And and then there's Roseanne, and nothing makes me more sad because in the eight, well, in the nineties, I guess that was my show. I loved Roseanne. I still love that show. I knew, obviously, there was all kinds of reports that Roseanne was horrendous to work with, and you know, just terrible on set. But I loved that show. I still love that show, and I could I had to stop watching when Roseanne came out again um, and then she was a Trump supporter. I did watch it because I wanted to see, and obviously it wasn't as good, but still, I just wanted to watch it and I love Jackie so much. But um, then that whole, you know, thing came out of her with the baking cookies and I don't even want to talk about it because it's awful. And even though she's Jewish, it was awful. And I just thought, that's it. I can't watch her anymore. But I will still always be nostalgic for that show because I love that show. And nobody can ever take it away from me because at the time I had no idea she was. And maybe she, maybe over time. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they weren't that bad then. Right. right. Yeah. Because like right. they've been everybody's been radicalized when it comes to the right. So, you know, and then they're saying that about us. But, you know, we, we all know how that goes. <laughs> I trace it back to post 9-11 Fox News. Yes. For me, that's where I saw it start. That's mm-hmm. where I saw family members change. Mm-hmm. That's when I started seeing uncles and cousins quote Bill O'Reilly, which, yeah. by the way, we think about even Bill O'Reilly back in those days, and he was an asshole. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. But, like, compare, compare what he was yeah. doing in 2008 mm-hmm. to what Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram are doing now in 2022. Yeah. It's night and day. Yeah. And that's how, that's how bad it is, is that – Bill O'Reilly 2009 wasn't nearly as awful as what we're getting now. And mm-hmm. then it was fucking awful. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say, if you don't mind one thing about Kirstie Alley, because cheers is my favorite <laughs> show ever. Like I can tell you, I followed the Sam and Diane <laughs> love story as a young boy, as Aww. a third and fourth grader and was like into it. And then that, and then next thing I know, I was into moonlighting with Bruce Willis yes. and Sybil Shepherd. All oh of a sudden, God. I'm like, okay, I like romantic comedies. Me too. That is <laughs> at an early age. Which, by the way, I thought we said there was, those dynamics were kind of similar. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, and the the Shelley Long years are brilliant. Yes, and there's they moments are. Moments with Ted Danson and her that are some of the finest moments in American television, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But she did quit. Mm-hmm. Right? She left. Her her ego drove her out. Whatever. She yeah. doesn't go be a movie star. And for Kirstie Alley to step in mm-hmm. and to – I don't think she made the show better because I thought the show was better with Shelley Long, but mm-hmm. it was still really, really good. Mm-hmm. And for her to come in and let it not just maintain, but to be fair, it had mm-hmm. larger success. It won more Emmys. Yeah. It had one extra season because there were six with her, five with Shelley Long. Mm-hmm. And it was still really good. And to me, I kind of call her the uh, Sammy Hagar of uh, <laughs> the actors. You know, how he stepped in with yeah. Baby Roth. And very similar things. Not as good, but it's still great. Right. And to be fair, it's more successful, you know? Right. And um, wow. and I tell you, like, if I have to talk about my top ten favorite Cheers episodes, probably at least three of them are with Kirstie Alley, especially that first season when she was just a bitch. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like yes. she was not this before she broke her barriers with right. everybody, especially Sam. And like, man, God, she, she was a funny. cigarette in her mouth. Yeah. And, oh, <laughs> Comedy gold. She was, yeah. she was good. And by the way, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, we talked about guilty pleasure flicks at the top of your show, <laughs> summer school. I mean, I don't know if you oh ever saw God, that. Oh my God. Yes, I did. Fun. I totally saw, I saw that like yeah, twice or three it. times. Mark, Mark Harmon. Wasn't he yeah, the teacher? Yeah, was he like the Coors guy, right? Before that? The what? 
Wasn't he like the oh, Coors uh, guy? Maybe, or whatever was out in the but you know, he, he married Pam Dauber. And I think at that point he was married to Pam Dauber, who of course was Mindy of the famous Mork and Mindy. And, um, but I remember having a crush on him. And then Courtney, is it Courtney Thorne Smith? Is that her name? The, the young blonde in the film? Yeah, the she was who, also in that movie too, uh, wasn't she? What's that? Wasn't she in that movie? Yeah, I think that's the same. She... she was the surfer girl. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I believe that is the yes. actress name because she went on to do Aaron Spelling stuff after that, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Melrose yeah, Place. Yeah, yeah, she was in Melrose. So, okay, now you told me, or I'm sorry, you didn't tell me. It's in your Twitter bio that you're an F-list actor. So, what have you done, and what are <laughs> you doing? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I was a theater major at University of North Texas which is in Denton, which is a great little liberal arts school up in uh, north of Dallas. But um, I have an extensive theater resume. Anyways, that old school Dallas theater people, 11th Street Theater Project, that was me. Was do you, about, do you uh, know someone uh, named Paul Savis? No, I don't. I mean, it sounds familiar, but I, I can't place it. I don't know. He's he's one, I'm 54. He's a year younger than me. I know that he went to school in Texas, and he's an actor. And so I just figured, you know, I know it's a long shot, but I thought maybe you guys might know each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My guess is, you know, I mean, I, I love UNT, but like U, University of Texas and Austin is obviously far more reputable. Hmm. But um I was a fuck up the first two years of high school and didn't get my stuff together until my junior year. Mm -hmm. And once I did, I took off like a rocket. I was like in honors classes and everything, but then wow. I had a slim pickings of where I was going to go to college. Mm -hmm. so still paying the prices of my freshman and sophomore year of high school. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't change anything, obviously. But um, well, then um, I got into film in 98. Shout out to Linda McAllister. I love you. My, she's been my agent forever and ever and ever. She still is. And uh, right at the gate, I actually booked and filmed a walker texas ranger oh, episode wow. but i got a look i got a really good lesson in film acting his brother actually directed that episode chuck norris's brother uh my, my scene got cut and so i wasn't in it wow. <laughs> it never aired so you know you kind of learn that yeah. side of the business that sucks yeah because uh, that doesn't happen in theater the scenes are the scenes the author wrote them you perform them you're you're in that's yeah. not film um but then i did a national chili's commercial oh wow and Right before the SAG strike in the late 90s. You remember that? It was like yes. 99, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The big SAG strike. So it was right before that. So I booked this SAG Chili's commercial and I made a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could get paid doing this. And it ran <laughs> like crazy. And back then we called the mailbox checks. Right. Because they literally mail you the check. Yes. Um, and then from there, I did a national Sam, Sam Adams and some others. It's, I did a lot of commercials. Mm -hmm. But in terms of uh, film, I got some really close breaks. Like I was almost in um, – oh, gosh. I'm going to have to move on because I can't remember the name. <laughs> Somebody's on death row. Kevin Spacey's in it. Oh. Early, early 2000s. I'll move on because I can't remember the name of it. But I was, I was, <laughs> I was pretty damn close hmm. to booking Superman. Oh, wow. And, and, yeah. And Superman Returns, which ended up going to Brennan Ralph, the one with Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. It was a wild ride. Wow. I mean, like, like, I'd be out and I'd get a phone call going, you're being requested again. We got to get you on tape. I'm like, again? Like, yes. And this time they want, you, they want to read you as Clark and Superman back to back. I'm like, what? I mean, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> it went on for about a year. Uh, that was amazing. But most recently... I'm in these movies. They're called Adventures of Bailey. 
Uh, there's three of them. You can go to Amazon Prime and order them. Please do. You can get them for a dollar ninety nine. Super cute family films. You know, the fucking dollar keeps getting lost, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but there's three of those, and I play Mr. Baker, the dad, and uh, oh, wow. they're good fun. And I'll probably get a check for thirty six cents or something <laughs> if you order it. So please do. But uh, uh, I'm actually just got new headshots. And we're about to fire it back up. So I've been a little bit on hiatus for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Kind of a wild ride in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, settled. And so I'm really looking forward to it because I have a stepdaughter who's a teenager. And she is she's incredible. Yeah. And she goes to a private art school. Um, she's a junior in high school in downtown Houston. And this kid has inspired me to get back into it. Oh, wow. And uh, I've taken her to New York a couple times, um, just this year, in fact, with her mom. We've gone to shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, took her to Brooklyn and took her real deep into Brooklyn to see some just badass stuff that's on the true local level. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I doing? And I text my agent. She's like, get new headshots. Let's fucking go. Wow, (laughs) that's so so cool. So I just got new pictures and about to fire it back up so maybe the f list will go to like d list we'll see let me ask you this now are you um you, you don't live in california right or New no York? i did at one time okay um i was in um in the valley i bartended at the saddle ranch and sunset boulevard oh wow you've ever been there and there's a riding bull and no the guy from texas had no fucking idea how to ride <laughs> I got uh, asked that every day. Oh, you're from Texas, dude. Ride it. I'm, like, I'm from <laughs> Dallas, man. I'm from the city. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not from Amarillo. So how <laughs> does it on, work? I've never even seen one of those before. <laughs> <laughs> how does it work when you don't live in, you know, the entertainment cities? Do you, as far as auditions, are people just sending them in, you know, via doing it over, you know, the internet now? How, how does that work? As I understand it, just, just in the last few years. So like in 2019, I was very, very active. And I did a lot of readings for Better Call Saul. And as an actor yourself, you know this, you very rarely hear anything from the producers or casting director or whatever. You either booked it or you don't. Right. Right. You know, but I kept getting actual feedback and, uh, oh, it was so, so amazing. They would read me for such a variety of different characters. And really, I was like, finally, somebody gets it. I'm a fucking character actor. That's (laughs) what I am. And this is great. But I, I never booked it. But in 2019, so pre-COVID, I was putting those on tape. Mm-hmm. And then my agent was submitting those to the casting directors. I guess they were in L.A. But in the early 2000s, Austin was super hot. So, like, I had friends that moved to L.A. And I'm in Austin. I'm like, yeah, well, I just re- I read for – because I read for Office Space. Mm-hmm. That was in the 90s. But mm-hmm. um, I read for Spike Lee. This is all out of Austin. And then it sort of shifted to um, – went to Albuquerque for a while. We went to New Orleans for a while. We, we called kind of that whole Dallas, Houston, especially Austin, and then Albuquerque and New Orleans, the third coast. Mm-hmm. And they kind of bounced around those cities. So in this post-COVID world, it's going to be really interesting to see yeah. what it's like. According to Brian, my aforementioned friend that just did Tulsa King, he said, dude, you're going to love it. He hmm. said so much of it you used to do from your phone. Wow. Record it, submit it. So you can just pull over and record it. You have an audition. You don't even have to drive to it. Unless it's a director's read. So we'll see. That's so interesting. Do you do any acting still? No, 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 no. No, I I stopped doing it. I I started, let's see, I started studying in like 19, I think it was like 91. 
And then I graduated and left my acting studio. Well, I graduated two and a half years later, stayed in my acting studio because we had what was called the professional level and we would just basically work on our craft and we would invite agents and casting directors and things like that. That's how I booked right. days, uh, days of Our Lives. But um, then I decided, it was so funny because at the end of my run, and I was really burnt out, but I had taken, I started taking a birth control pill mainly because I had mild to moderate acne, which you can imagine. Here I am in my 20s and it's the 90s and it's, you know, it's before all of the internet stuff. And so... I was so insecure about myself because I'm six foot tall, I have very large bones, and I'm bigger than everybody. I'm bigger than most men in Hollywood, even when I'm thin. And so I always had this like major insecurity about my physical appearance. And so I had gained some weight because of the pill. And I just kind of, there was this was last night, it was the very last night in my acting studio. We had invited the casting director for NYPD Blue. And I did I remember did my audition and it was just it, w it was just a, a general audition so he could get a taste like he he brought sides in for all the actors we got we would get paired up and then we would do scenes for him and then he would basically say okay is this person good enough to call in for a part so I just remember that particular night I was off I did not do a good job and I I could feel that I was fucking it up and his critique about me was he saw on my resume that I was on Days of Our Lives sporadically not not like a regular player and he he wrote me off as a soap actress and I was so fucking devastated because it was like was it NYPD Blue yeah I think it was NYPD Blue I was so devastated and I decided all right I'm gonna leave my acting studio and I'm just gonna take a break and then I'm gonna get back into the game and I kind of never got back into the game I was still working on Days of Our Lives and then I started going to these parties with my friend who was, a, you know, she was a beautiful blonde and she would get invited to these like B-list parties, C, B and C, well, like a B, B-lister. And occasionally we went to A-list parties with, you know, just endless fucking celebrities. But most of the time it would be like a house in the Hollywood Hills. There would be valet parking. It was stunning and amazing, but it wasn't like famous people, maybe one B-list actor, but lots of B-list producers. And I would do that, and I, I, I would go to these parties, and I really didn't give a shit anymore. So I would just kind of be, not negative, but, like, I would tell people I was 40 just to watch them, like, freak out, because, you know, in Hollywood, women sure. aren't allowed to age. So I would specifically fuck with them and tell them I was 40 years old just to see them, like, oh! <gasps> And they would, they would like literally freak out in front of me. And so, and then I, you know, I worked on Days of Our Lives until about, I think it was the last time I was on that show was, I think in 2003 or 2002, I, maybe it was the last, maybe November of 2002 and that was it. And then I just never really cared anymore. I just, I had a couple of different situations. The, the last thing I had gone to this party and this guy gave me an audition it was so, so funny because all I was doing was complaining about what a shithole Los Angeles was. And I don't know what I did, but he tells me, oh, you know, whatever I said to him made him like me. And he goes, uh, you know what? I want you to audition for this small little role. And I was like, cool. And then a few minutes later, after I guess I impressed him more, he's like, you know, I'm just upgrading you and I'm going to have you audition for this character. And I was like, awesome. So he goes, call the, call the casting director on Monday. So I do, and the casting director tells me, and, she, and of course you know how they are in Hollywood, so much attitude, and she's like, oh, we've already booked that. And I said, that's great. Thanks for, you know, uh, 
even thanks for even possibly considering me whatever so I get a hold of this guy I said I'm so grateful that you wanted to have me come in I heard that the role has been booked so you know best of luck blah 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 so then I get a call back from the casting director she goes oh could you come in <laughs> so fine I go in I do the audition and I leave and the, the the guy that I met at the party I guess he's the producer calls me up we have an hour conversation he was not hitting on me he was not being gross he was literally praising me and telling me what a fantastic actor I was and then I never heard from him again and I'm like you know what I'm so fucking sh I was so sick of that because it was so much of that so then I just didn't give a shit anymore so now I like to sit behind a microphone and not worry about a camera and talk to people like you <laughs> Well, and you are exceptional at it. Oh, thank I, you. you know, I, I listen to I listen to your show often. I, I'm not just saying that. You're you are very very good. You're uh, it's you're contagious. When I listen oh, to you, it's it's you. great. Um, you know, and those that those stories are probably still. I mean, they're not obviously any better. You know, the thing about it is that I truly love the craft, and I fell yeah. in love with acting watching a play in the third grade, going, "What are these guys doing?" And then the '80s sitcoms that were very mm -hmm. much with the quote live audience, yeah, had feel to it. Cheers, for instance. And um, but so if you're if you're in it for the love of craft, the film, the business side of it can can murder that for you. Yeah, and it kind of did for me. And so we'll see what 2023 looks like. Yeah. Is my love of That's craft exciting. going to supersede that now <laughs> or not? I don't know, but I will tell you, because you mentioned this, I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, I don't, and that's important. I'm not looking for a career. I'm 47 yeah. years old. I'm I'm a restaurant bar person that's owned bars and done I software. I've done it all, and mm -hmm. that's what I do for a living. And I've got a good career. I've got a great wife. I've got a good life. And so I don't need it, but mm -hmm. I just love acting. And so maybe it's not, man, this audition, I got to book it because right. I want to be a professional actor. Yeah. I don't have that anymore. Yeah. So maybe I'll knock it out of the park. Well, and that, maybe, yeah. And but the, if it doesn't, I don't give a fuck. And that's just, really going to be, I think, I, I seriously think that could be the answer. And, you know, going back to the whole idea of intentional manifestation, I think uh, anytime I've ever had an intention for any kind of a thing um, I have found that it comes really easy when you don't kind of strangle it with the desire and when you just don't well, you kind of don't care I mean you want it but you're not like oh everything depends on this that's when it seems to flow to you so I, I'm going to predict right. that you're going to get some some cool gigs <laughs> well you love the work like yeah I'm going to put my heart and soul into this audition. I'm going to give my character a backstory and do all the work. But I don't give a fuck if I book it. I give yeah. a fuck about going in and doing a good job. Yeah. And whatever happens after that, I just don't care. So to be clear, it's not, I don't give a fuck. Of course I care. Right. The outcome is what I just don't care about. Yeah. And again, we'll, we'll, we shall see. But my stepdaughter and her love for the art just is what, and you know, going to New York, this past year a couple times is obviously with COVID that was, um, you know, Texas and New York night and day differences yeah. on how COVID was handled, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, but finally we were at least able to travel there with the restrictions and enjoy the city this past year. Hmm. And so it was real nice. And by the way, this is another rabbit hole, so I'll be careful, <laughs> but, but 2022 New York was, more disciplined with COVID than 2020 Texas. Wow. Right. I mean, Austin, 
is was an exception. Yeah. But everywhere else, not really. Yeah. It's I'm sure. remarkable, quite frankly. But uh, anyway. Well, for those who don't know, I just have to throw this out there. Uh, the White House is now once again issuing free COVID tests. So it's all over the Internet. I have it on my page, and you can find it. But just get some free tests because I think the last time – when we were order uh, able to order those tests, I think they're expired now. At least some of them are. So uh, you can get more free ones. So that's good. More Dems delivering. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Oh, if I may say, I'll, I'm going to share one quick anecdotal thing yeah. with you here, too. Just so we're talking about the business. Most remarkable thing I ever did as an actor was work as a casting assistant. I did hmm. it for Kevin Howard and Denise Hardy and Lynn Ambrose. He's our casting director out of Texas. And what I saw this was a fucking trip was <laughs> the producers or the casting directors knew even just for a commercial and called a Sears commercial or Taco Bell or mm-hmm. McDonald's or whatever, they knew what they wanted. They had it in their head what the person looked like. Mm-hmm. So you could walk in and the audition could be welcome to Taco Bell. Right. Well, you, some creative actor walks in and goes, welcome to Taco Bell. I love my job. What can I get for you? And everybody laughs obviously that's risky to do stuff mm-hmm. like that sometimes it works mm-hmm. and then they love it the casting directors love it the client loves it and then some yahoo comes in and is like uh, welcome to taco bell and leaves well the welcome to taco bell lazy guy looks the part right so then they cast him uh-huh. and then the person that brought the creativity at the table is sitting on their couch four months later three months later and they're watching the commercial and lazy guys like, welcome to Taco Bell. I love my job. What can I do for you? You know, they take the creative mm-hmm. thing they did and put it in the damn commercial. I saw stuff like that a lot. Yeah. It was quite eye-opening. Interesting. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. You know, it's anyway. funny. Well, I'll share my little anecdotal thing. The first time I ever worked on a set was, I believe it was Mad About You. And I was hired to be a bit part. Yes, it was awesome. And there were so many awesome things about it. I got to hang out with Lisa Kudrow because she had absolutely no airs. She was she was hanging out with all of the extras and everybody, and she was just the coolest person. And then the craziest thing about it was when I arrived on set, there was a girl that I went to school with for eighth and ninth grade, and we had been friends. And, you know, we lost touch because we were adults and moved our separate ways. But here's this girl that I, like, hung out with in school. She was there. And so, yeah, I was hired specifically for my height. And um, when I got there, I was informed that they they replaced me. But so I, I could stay on as an extra and not be the bit part. So I was like, fine, whatever. I mean, bit part is glorified extra anyway. And I, the only reason I was doing this was because I wanted to, I wanted to get my SAG card, and this was a way I could get it. And so, because um, I hate, I did not want to be an extra. But for this show, it was fine because here I watched Mad About You and then here it was like being on the show was so fucking awesome. And so they, you know, they demoed me, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a bit part, but I wound up getting more airtime than the bit part. So that was funny because I was, you know, in a couple, I've got it actually on my Instagram. I've got uh, the scene I was in. I don't have any lines, but the funny part was the next day after it aired, I went to my bank and my, my, my banker recognized me from the show. Now, granted, they knew me, you know, they, nice. they, they knew me and like, Hey, I think I, didn't I see you on mad about you? And it was like, I got recognized, but that was the one and only time that I ever was recognized for anything. But then, you know, I did get 
a gig on uh, Days of Our Lives. And the funny story about that was my mom and I were both in the same acting studio. She had a different class than me. And then she graduated er a little bit earlier than I did. And then the professional level was formed and we were both in that together. And so my acting coach knew the casting director for Days of Our Lives. And my mom and I were just on his ass for like a year. You've got to bring her in. You've got to bring her in. We both watched that show. I had been watching it since I was, I think, like nine years old. And my mother watched it when she was pregnant with me. And it was just like this thing in our life. And sure enough, the woman, uh, it was this woman and, uh, and her assistant came in. And they hired me. They hired my mom. And actually, my mom got the most work of anybody from the studio. And then I think, you know, I was, there was a couple other people that I worked with that uh, we worked pretty regularly and it was such a cool experience because it was like I watched I knew everybody and when I went on my audition they had given me a scene from years earlier but I knew the characters so like I totally understood the scene and it was so funny but of course I'm on that show and I'm like bigger than everybody so it was really difficult for me when I was an actor just because I would compare myself with everybody and I always felt like I was I don't know what the word is I just was lacking or I was just so insecure and so at this point because I'm 54 years old I feel like um, I, I st still have vanity and I still care about my appearance but I'm not as wrapped up in it and it and my career doesn't depend on me looking a certain way so I've I've relaxed with that a bit but it's it was definitely I don't know what it's been like for you but I know for me I was not, I did not do well with the whole physical thing of being, a, being an actress, especially in the 90s. It was like, you know, what was that show, Ally McBeal, oh, when everybody was a zero? And it was like, oh my God, I couldn't be a zero if I starved, my, if I was a skeleton. <laughs> you know right. I mean? No, it's, it's, it's bad enough for men. It's a thousand times worse for women. Yeah. And it's an unfortunate reality and it sucks. And, you know, and I'm a, I'm a daughter's dad. And I do have two stepsons and I adore them, but I have two biological daughters and I'm close to my stepdaughter. And I just, you know, it's better now, you know, it's yeah. the world has changed for the better, but we still got a long way to go. Well, Gen Z, and, I think is going to save us there because Gen Z seems to kind of like they're, they're getting to a point. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've been noticing, but like I notice on commercials people are just more real looking. I mean, and people have always looked real on commercials more so than regular Hollywood, but more and more we're seeing just like typical you pe people you'd see out and about and they're on the airwaves and it's younger people. Correct. And it's, it's not just looks, although that's a major problem. It's the expectations. Mm -hmm. And I had a casting coach, an acting coach from many years ago, the late great Grant James just passed away actually just mm -hmm. a phenomenal man, but uh, he was older, but just still sad. But anyway, he, uh, the million things he taught me, he taught me, this he said you know it's really unfortunate for women mm -hmm. is that if they if they cry on camera it's expected if you cry on camera they're gonna give you an oscar right and i thought that was uh wow i never thought about right. it that way yeah right i mean obviously that's hyperbolic and mm -hmm. exaggerating to make a point but there's a there's there's a real message there mm -hmm. and um, so yeah we'll see as my daughters get older i can just hope that it just continues to get a little better a little better but thank god for people like like Hillary Clinton that yes. are breaking barriers. She may not have gotten elected, but she was a nominee. Yes, and yes. He got more votes than he did. Mm -hmm. And Pelosi and, <laughs> and you know, I, I, and believe me, I'll point to a female Republican that's a 
trailblazer also just can you give me one (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm from texas and so like ann richards is you know know. she's She's amazing well i would say you know and of course i can't think of the name now i i wrote a book called american woman and i wanted to showcase uh all women right republican democratic all of it and i did find somebody was it meg whitman and it's not that i think i think it's meg whitman and i don't think that um she's some some great person but i believe you know she's a ceo isn't she isn't that what she does um i believe so yeah yeah, and and you know so it's like i i think that as far as this whole equality thing it's funny because i hear people's totally changing subject now but i hear people talking about you know oh that woman how, how do they say it uh just not that woman like we want a woman president and then you mentioned a republican okay well i don't want a republican to be the first woman president i want democrats to do that but i want to see i want to see women in represented whether it's government or in the film industry and frankly that means every kind of woman because they represent all of us living in you know living in this world living in the united states there are Republican women out there. So I just, you know, it's funny because I sometimes I hear Democrats going, well, not that kind of woman. It's like, no, we don't get to decide that. It, a patriarchy means men have basic control of everything. And so if we're going to get out of a patriarchy, then yes, some Republican women are going to have power positions, whether it's a legislative position or a CEO of a company or, you know, figuring out who's going to be in what movie and i just i I wish people were a little bit more forgiving about that because as much as i'm a progressive and i consider myself pretty much as progressive as you're going to get but i also understand that we have to be pragmatic it's just that i think that in order to be progressive means that we have to be diversified period period there has to be actual progress and if you have a republican woman who who really is just advocating for the same policies that well that's true rich white men and just because she's a woman, she's not speaking and fighting for true women's needs. No, she's not. But she but I still it's like, OK, like there's the two sides of this. There's the conversation of I've heard people say men should not have any say in the abortion abortion debate, which I think is a stupid thing to say. But um, so that but that doesn't mean that. So you're saying it's OK, then Sarah Palin gets to decide Sarah Palin gets to be the voice. She's going to say right. the same thing that men are going to say, but uh, but flip that idea and say, you know, in power, as much as I, you know, would like all the people in power to have progressive attitudes, that's not realistic. And, I, and I'd rather have our government look like our, you know, the rest of us, even if it's not everybody that I would, per, you know, that I would choose. We should Correct. just have more, you know, more people of color, more women, just diversified. And of so course, if, if Ron DeSantis is the next president, oh, God, God forbid. God. And I, but I get to choose. His vice president is going to be Nikki Haley, or Mike yeah. Pence again. I'm going to go with Nikki Haley. If you know, the universe yeah. is allowing me to choose that. At the very least, it is a woman, and right. it's it's a good it's it's a good representation, like you're saying, right? Yeah, because then moving forward, what happens is women in politics, women in power, get normalized. You know, even if they're not what you want, because there's plenty of men in power who are fucking assholes and who are autocrats and damaging. So obviously the same is going to be with women. But we in this country right now, we don't have that acceptance. Like even a woman president, you go out and you interview a lot of these stupid idiot magas and they say women are too emotional. So they have this stereotype locked into their brain and a Nikki Haley 
as much as I don't want a Republican, if she, you know, becomes president or vice president or something and people see that and they see her as being effective, even if I don't like what she's doing, it normalizes that idea. And I think that's what that's the goal. I mean, obviously, I wish everybody would care about everyone else, but, you know, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> right. It's, it's still it's baby steps. Yes. And I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I want to ask you, I, I know we're uh, we're coming up to the end, but um, before we start talking about holiday stuff, I ask everybody this and I'm curious what you think when it comes to what Garland and Jack Smith are going to do as far as indictments, because there's definitely the debate online that some people feel like nothing is going to get done and then other people they do and then there's the garden that you know i mean there's people who accuse others of being garland cheerleaders where do you stand in this and where what do you think will happen whether it's at the end of this year or at the beginning of next year or whatever with the trump indictments what i do know is these things are far more complicated and nuanced than the average person on twitter or on a talk show gives it credit for. So being in Garland's shoes and having to deal with what he's dealing with and then indicting a former president, who, by the way, is not just a former president, but despite polls of the last 40 hours with DeSantis, I'm still going to argue that he's still the front runner for the party. Mm-hmm. Now, his little digital car thing today, hopefully, he <laughs> says, but neither here or there. But so um, I know this is complicated stuff. My wife's an attorney. So is her uh, two brothers as well. And so I've had a text thread with them about this topic. And even, even in their legal minds, and one's a Harvard law, by the way. I mean, these are smart people. Wow. They, and they're all liberals. Mm-hmm. But they all have different views on this, even, even with themselves. At the end of the day, it, it appears, and this is, there's a consensus on this. There's enough to indict him. There's mm-hmm. no question about that, mm-hmm. especially... Now there even more stuff was found. He obviously did not declassify anything, although even though that was all bullshit, he didn't even do it because they wouldn't even actually put that on record in a court of law. In a court of law, they wouldn't say that under oath. Mm-hmm. So we know that. We know that that's all just bullshit. So where does it go from here? I'm cynical. I'm cynical that nothing's going to happen to Trump. I'm cynical that he's going to be the nominee. I'm cynical he's going to get reelected. And that's what 2016 did to me. Hmm. Now, thank God 2020 happened the way that it did. Yeah. But he still got a lot of fucking votes. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. If you look at how many votes he got, correct me if I'm wrong in this, I believe he actually got the second highest amount of votes ever in the presidential campaign. The first, mm-hmm. obviously, being Biden in 2020, which is obviously what he him the victory. So I just don't know. Hmm. I really don't know which way it's going to go. My cynical side says nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the nominee. The, the, the stable side of me that's looking at all this stuff with, with, from 20,000 feet with the sound mind and talking to actual attorneys that are smart people, I feel like there's a pretty fucking good chance that he's going to get indicted. Mm-hmm. And the question then becomes what happens? Mm-hmm. Like what happens to our country? What happens <laughs> – how does this shake up the political and legal world all at once? I don't know. It is yeah. – I'm on the edge of my seat on this. So I know that I haven't really even answered your question because I just don't know, and I'm kind of of two minds about it. What do you think? Do you think that we're going to actually see him in, in, indicted? Yeah, I think he's going to get indicted. And I, what ultimately what I think is he's going to get indicted for something, at least one thing. I think it'll probably be more than one thing. 
but at least one. And the thing that I'm not sure about is what happens if he's found guilty. I think, you know, what we've got like an all or nothing mentality out there, like either nothing's going to happen or he's going to jail. Well, I don't know that he's going to jail. I think we're going to be disappointed. I don't know how we're going to, maybe we're going to be disappointed because the sentence that he has is having to stay at Mar-a-Lago, which to me is really not a punishment. But, and if he has access to, you know, being online, then I, that would be incredibly disappointing to me. I, I would like, I, I can't imagine they're going to send him to jail. I can't imagine that that would happen. Uh, right. There are people that I talk to that I that do think that that's a possibility. I have a hard time believing that that's going to happen. But I do think he's going to have some kind of legal repercussions. I don't care that he's Teflon Don. Because just because somebody has gotten away with it's just it goes like you know you could play all these contests right you could enter all these contests and never win and then you make the assumption oh I never win contests but then you know what you could enter one and then boom you win so just because something has always gone one way doesn't mean it's written in stone that that's how it has to be now weird human brains think that way but that's not reality and so. I do think that he's going to experience some kind of, you know, he's going to get indicted. And then what happens after that? I don't know. Um, As far as him running, I have a feeling that he won't. Although I'd actually like to see him run because I I don't think he's going to get the nomination. And the reason I say that is because the right now, the people at the top on the right like Rupert Murdoch are starting to turn on him and I'm I wouldn't be surprised and I've been saying this for a while that when that really sets in we're gonna see people like Tucker Carlson start asking questions is Trump really a drag on the Republican Party and start you know putting those seeds into the audience and the audience is a really they're just sheep and they're just gonna follow what the right-wingers tell them to follow I think there's going to be a significant part of his base that will stick with him, but enough will go along with who, whether it's DeSantis or someone else. And the reason I'd like to see him run is because he is all about vengeance. He's so vengeful. And if he doesn't get the nomination, I could see where he would say, fuck it, I'm going to run as an independent and fuck you all up. And that, of course, would be my dream scenario. But um, so he would run as an independent and then whether it was Ron DeSantis or whoever, Youngkin or whoever they decide to run, Trump would basically be their spoiler. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I, I don't that. know. That would, that would be remarkable if that happens. The only part where I respectfully disagree with you is in terms of him running, it still puts him too close to the nomination and that puts him too close to the White House again. I totally get and, it. I get it. That, I get how you yeah, feel. Yeah, and, that, and that's horrifying to me. I don't even necessarily give a fuck if he goes to jail. Just make him powerless. Yeah. He's powerless. And then whatever he wants to do and go play golf for the rest of his life every day, fine. Fuck him. I don't care. I just don't ever want him anywhere in power again. Yeah. I certainly don't want him in the White House again. I don't think he's yeah. going to make it to the White I just don't think – I mean that's that's just my gut. I'm, I'm basing it on my gut and a little bit because of what I'm seeing from the, you know, the leaders on the right. And when I say leaders, I don't necessarily mean the Republican Party. But we all know Mitch McConnell hates him. He, he, you know, he gave Mitch McConnell what Mitch McConnell wanted, but I think, you know, so many in the party hate him and they want to be rid of him and they don't know how to be rid of him. But if they start getting 
if the if, if it's coming down from like Rupert, and then if, if we start seeing on whether it's OAN or you know some of these bigger platforms, if they start questioning him, I really think that's going to be the end for him. I, I well, it, it's I, not here yeah. yet. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah. I was just gonna say we're not at the end. I think I think what we're seeing now is. Trump is starting to lose his appeal, but Trumpism is still strong. And so, like, for instance, that that poll that came out the other day, I don't remember what the numbers were specifically, but DeSantis was ahead by a significant amount. And what I see happening is we're going to be seeing more of that. And then that what that's going to do is his popularity and the base is going to wane. And eventually, you know, while indictments are happening and whatever else is going on because it's not just going to be Donald Trump getting indicted it's going to I believe we're going to see other people whether it's Roger Stone or higher ups in his world and it's I think what it's going to do is just going to create this opportunity for the Republicans to kind of get away from him I mean I could be wrong but that's what my gut's telling me well and and I like what you're saying and I'll be honest with you the Mitch McConnell's of the world not liking him, I don't. They, I don't think they ever liked him. Lindsey no, Graham, no, they, they never did. Him. Yeah, but what they discovered was unfortunately too much of their base. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it, but kind of hateful. Yeah, and and they're holding on. You know, a, we we elected a black man with a Muslim name. Yeah, holy fuck, the world <laughs> is ending, and that was the rise of the Tea Party. And anybody yep. tells me that the Tea Party was about small government, and I do right. believe there's some that were. Where the fuck was a, a a Tea Party rally during the Bush years and he was spinning out of hell? Yeah, there's not one. So spare me that. Yeah, but I think they've all always hated him. They're just stuck with him because he owns yep. their base. They I agree. How fucked up their base was. Yeah, but Murdoch, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's that could be to your point a true game changer, and I'm mm-hmm. here for it. And I don't think MAGAism or Trumpism is dead. No, but I do think you take away the cult of personality, mm-hmm. and I think that it weakens it tremendously. Mm-hmm. And I don't see DeSantis becoming president. I just don't. Now, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. Right. I'm just saying that I think Trumpism will live on with yes. the Boberts of the world and whatnot. Yeah, but on a national level, that is cult of personality. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I, and I think I think that's what's happening, and I mean it sucks, and I, I and it well it sucks and it doesn't, but what you're right, it Trumpism it it didn't die, but it, it's it's going to take a hit, and right now Trump is still the de facto leader of the party, he just is, but he's it's starting to I think the tides are turning now. And I mean, and it's funny because people online are saying to me, well, the DeSantis is worse. This is not good. It's like I'm not saying whether this is good or bad. I'm just observing what's happening. And I can see that Trump is just losing his appeal. And I mean, I'm going to go back to my MAGA relative who loved Ted Cruz, which I will never understand. Is that, oh. is that singular? Your MAGA relative? Well, there are more in my family. I have a very small family. So it's my immediate family. And she was like a big, you know, Ted Cruz person. And she did not like Donald Trump. And then, of course, he became the nominee. This is this holds for chicks on the right as well. I don't know if you're familiar with that ridiculous duo, but they didn't like Donald Trump either. And then Donald Trump becomes the president. And what do they do? They march in lockstep. They're so good at that. And then, you know, Trump is the greatest. My, my mag relative said, you know, Trump is the greatest president we've ever had, blah, 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 blah. But um, 
they they went that way because their party went that way. And so right. I think what's going to happen is the party is going to get behind someone else. They're, I think they're trying to get rid of Trump and they don't know how. And if they get help from Rupert Murdoch, if they get help from, you know, some of the – I mean, he's the big one. But if, but if it starts if it starts to kind of, like, become a thing where we are going to see, I think, Tucker and, and Hannity and Ingram start – you know, maybe they won't say terrible things about Trump, but they'll start praising and because they are trying to normalize DeSantis now. So, um, you know, and it's not to say that, oh, this is all – so easy breezy and everything's going to be fine because DeSantis is horrible and dangerous and the way that the media is going to treat him is he's a normal and that scares the shit out of me so I'm not suggesting to anybody out there who might think I am that this is some great answer it's just I think this is where we're going this looks to me like the tides are turning but that doesn't mean it's turning in the best possible way it's just turning in a way that Trump is starting to lose and i mean he's so pathetic he's so he's so fucking pathetic and it's like i think i think the party is starting to recognize that and they are maybe going to take what they can we'll see how they react to to kind of jump away from him and get behind another whether it's going to be yunkin or desantis or some new person that we've never heard of so i don't know but that's my kind of guess on this absolutely and i'll say this i would rather see desantis as the nominee and here's why and i'll make this real quick i think he's just as fucking awful as trump yeah. in, in most ways but he's not nearly as persuasive and so he's not nearly yes. as dangerous because of that. And so that's my personal view on it. Yeah, I agree. And if it was between the two of them, although I have to say, I have said this too before, because Trump has lost, uh, yes, you're right. He did get more votes than most people, um, people, but he uh, he lost a lot. And, you know, he, he, he's been impeached and he not only did he lose his 2020 election, he lost in 2018. He also lost in 2022. So I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens politically, um, and I guess we'll see. But before we end the show, I definitely want to find out, um, unless there's something else you want to say about Trump, but I want to find out about your holiday plans. I don't like the word hate. <laughs> I, I, I hate the word hate, but I actually really hate it. Yeah. I'll just, I, I do. I think he's vile. I think he's racist. And I think he's the most divisive politician in my lifetime um anyway and i'll just end it at that <laughs> and uh, my relatives that may be listening i still love you but <laughs> we gotta fucking talk yeah it's, it, it's it's time um holidays <laughs> so uh do you know texas geography at all nope no okay so i live in the in a houston suburb okay. and now i've got a house here with my wife jen um, my daughters are with their mother in a Dallas suburb, which is about okay. 230 miles away. Okay. So I have an apartment there and a house here. And so I'm back and forth a lot. Mm. And so that's kind of the holidays because being divorced <laughs> with some small kids, mm-hmm. my wife, my wife and I both are, in fact, there's, you know, the decree who mm-hmm. gets them at what time and mm-hmm. all, what year. Her and I are very blessed that we have the same decree schedule, so that's awesome. <laughs> so when she doesn't have hers, I don't have mine. Right. I have mine, she has hers kind of thing. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So Christmas is going to be split up going back and forth between um, Dallas and Houston. Mm-hmm. And But on the Christmas day, we'll be at my brother-in-law's here in Houston, where I'm at today. And then I drive to Dallas the next morning and grab my girls, and uh, Jen's going with me. We're going to go see my folks. We're still alive and well in the same house I grew up in. Wow. I won't leave. <laughs> and, uh, 
We'll do Christmas there. And then on the 28th, this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. We'll have all five of our kids under the same roof because I will tell you, they don't all five live together. Yeah. The daughter lives with the dad. My girls live with their mom. Does the boys live with us and they were all in and out. But, but when I have all five of them <laughs> under the same roof, especially for multiple days in a row, it is like, I get goosebumps. <laughs> that is what I'm looking forward to the most. It is just, sipping on coffee and looking around and seeing all five of my beautiful children and my wife together. So oh, there you go. That's wonderful. That's so cool. Yeah. Bob and I are just, I, I haven't ironed this out with my dad, but it's funny because you mentioned divorce. Well, my parents divorced when I was three. I know Bob's parents are divorced. So we've got like, you know, his mom's side, his dad's side, my mom, my dad. So um, I think what we're going to do, I haven't told my dad this yet, but Bob and I usually go to my mom's house for Christmas Eve. So I think we're going to go to my dad's house first, then my mom's house. Then on Christmas Day, we're going to drive, uh, I think it's in Pennsylvania, to see his brother. And, you know, I'm really hoping that once that's over with, like once all of the holiday gatherings and stuff are over with, that there's not too much going on. I have that week off. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I started, I'm a social media director for MSW Media, which is Muller She Wrote, which obviously it's not Muller She Wrote, but it's Allison Gill's company. And, yeah. um, or, I, by the way. Thank you. Um, so I started that in December, which I, I'm working all the way up until I believe next Wednesday. And then I have, you know, that the rest of the week off and then the following, and that's it. So I was going to take two weeks off. Now I get a week and a half, which is fine, and I'm not complaining, but I want nothing to do. Like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And, um, you know, part of that, oh, wait, I just have to share because this made me laugh so hard. Um, part of that involves watching. Talk about a guilty pleasure. I watch this show on YouTube and it's so fucking bad, but it's not a show, but it's this girl and she, her name is Jessica O'Donohue and she is, she lives in North Carolina with her husband and they refer to each other as Bunky and um, they are so southern and they are religious which I am not and they make the most disgusting food with so much cheese and Velveeta it's like all about the cheese for them they put so much cheese and and it's like I don't know why I am so fascinated (laughs) by this couple but I am and I'm going to be watching those videos but what was so funny is earlier in the morning, uh, it was like five o'clock this morning. I woke up and I couldn't get back to sleep. And somebody on Twitter said, "Hey, what's the name of that couple? That Southern couple?" So I had to go look up her name and make sure I spelled it right, which led me to this thread. It wasn't Reddit, but it's a it's a site like Reddit. And oh my God, because this girl has like a hundred thousand followers on YouTube, so she's obviously created, and she's got sixty some thousand followers on Instagram. So she has made some kind of an imprint and people are talking about her. And oh my God, it's so funny because when I watch these two, I have all these thoughts and I, and I almost, I feel like I'm a scientist observing them because they're so different than I am. And it's not critical. It's just, I, you know, she seems to be forever happy. And I'm like, can somebody really be that happy all the time? And why aren't, why aren't they dead from eating so much cheese? And, you know, I mean, this is stupid thoughts that I have. And then it's so funny because I read this thread and it was, I have to say, people could be kind of mean, as you know. But some of it was of so fucking funny. And they were all saying what I'm thinking. And they all wonder if the husband is gay. And, um, you know, I would certainly hope that for her sake that that's not the case. But 
we we wouldn't be surprised to hear that religious Southern men are denying who they really are, and I don't know, he could just have an effeminate, you know, way about him. I don't know, but that seems to be the main topic of conversation on that Twitter thread. So it's like, I plan on getting my fill of just stupid shit that isn't important <laughs> because it's well, like I tell you, so much fun. Once I get this, this pop culture podcast up and running, which we're close. I'm going to beg you to come on and talk about cheesy <laughs> shit to watch. And maybe you, you and Bob can come on together. I don't care. That just, would be fun. Anyway, yeah. Bob and I like to watch. Know. We like, we like to watch the roll offs, which is, I don't know if you know this, but it's about a family and the mother and father are dwarves and they have a pumpkin farm. They're divorced now, so they don't have it anymore. And there's all this drama. But, oh, my God, we are both, like, so addicted to the show. <laughs> it's so funny. Nice. So, yeah, I, I have plenty of cheese to talk about. So that would be awesome. That would be fun. And I just got to say, Rick, it was so much fun talking to you. I could sit here for another hour and a half. And I said we were only going to talk for an hour. And now it's an hour and 11 minutes. So <laughs> I could talk I, to you forever. I could, too. I'm, this, is, this is great. These are the exact kind of podcasts I love. Me hosting too. and being a guest on where we're just two people just talking just yeah, talking exactly that when you said the barstool thing i'm like yeah that's what i do because it's just, right. just, just about conversational having... just like we're sitting at a bar yeah talk. It's, except it's i'm great. not drinking thank you for having me oh well thank you so of course before i let you go and again this is the last show of the year everyone um i just want to quickly say actually i said before i let you go but i'm going to go back and just say thank you everybody who listens to this show i'm so grateful for you i'm so grateful for this opportunity i love doing this show i love talking to people like rick so thank you i just have to say that and then rick please tell everybody where to find you <laughs> Thank you. So I'm kind of everywhere, but just we'll focus on the Twitter. So mm -hmm. at ShoeRick, S-H-E-W-R-I-C-K, Friends from Work, Let's Chat is going to be the new pop culture podcast. We're super close to launching it. We've got a, uh, a promo video that we're editing that we filmed a couple weeks ago. Me, Brian Chatlin from Tulsa King and mm -hmm. Courtney Cheek, and that's at Friends Work Pod. Then Jeremy Grossley and I, my political partner in crime, we're taking left group politics and we're rebranding it as uh, Barstool Politics. And that is Barstool Pod at still called left crew, but we just changed the Twitter handle. Yeah. And we're going to be launching that soon as well. So please find us on YouTube, Facebook, etc. And thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> well, and of course, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E. Well, it's L-E-Y. Just don't forget the L-E-Y at the end. I'm also on post. For anybody who's on post, I'm the same name, author Kimberly. My books are on Amazon. Rick, it was awesome talking to you. Have a wonderful holiday season and happy new year. Uh, absolutely. You as well. Thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.